Yesterday I got so down I wasn't sure of what about But something moved me deep inside Hey, all right. Went low that time. Welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues this week with my guest, Blue Broderick. Blue is back, baby. And with so much to share, thank you for joining us. If this is your first time here, this is a podcast I started in 2016 while I was living in Chicago as a chance to interview people just like Blue, creative folks whose work inspire me. And I invite you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Bandcamp, better yet, podcast.bandcamp.com and to visit us on our website, betteryetpod.com. We've got all... 200-something episodes of this podcast? And hey, I'm a full-stack developer, too. You can check out my latest web development project, Riffin, by visiting riffin.io, just on your desktop browser. Open up that laptop and go to riffin.io. Riffin is a guitar tablature sketchpad. It's a place for songwriters and guitarists of the world to write out their song ideas with our custom tab editor, easy to save and store your ideas and you can sign up for an account with an email address oauth is secure through our aws serverless backend sign up for an account today i would love to see some new users there this week at riffin.io and as of this date it's february 22nd i am a full stack developer for hire betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. All my dev links are available in the episode notes for this episode. Hire me or let that senior software engineer in your life know that the homie Tim would make the perfect fit for that junior engineer role that you've been trying to fill. Betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. Boy, oh boy. Tim sounding Lucy today, huh? Well, there's a reason for that. We're emanating from Valparaiso, Indiana, the home of Better Yet since 2020, and the home of my favorite coffee roaster in the USA, Dagger Mountain Coffee in Valparaiso, Indiana. I am drinking a cup of the Limestone Blend. This is their espresso blend, but it is a great, great coffee for your morning at home as well. You can make it on a V60 pour over like I did. Or try this one out. A little AeroPress. Don't fill it up too much. There you go. You got that espresso right there at home with you. Beautiful, beautiful coffee for my friends over at Dagger Mountain. At DaggerMTN on Instagram. Visit DaggerMountain.com, pick up a bag of a limestone blend or any of their single origins or their blends. Order online at DaggerMountain.com. 
Having fun today, Bubbas. We got a YouTube page up now. It's youtube.com slash betteryetpod. I tell you what, I just posted seven clips from my interview with Steve Albini that are up there right now for you to enjoy. You want to hear Steve Albini talk about recording Nirvana's In Utero for seven minutes? There it is. Right now, we haven't been up too long. It's got 232 views. Now, that's not a lot of views, but I'd like to see how many views we have for it next week. Or... If you want to listen to Steve Albini talk about recording the Pixie Surfer Rosa for four minutes, it's over on our YouTube page, at Better Yet Pod on YouTube. You want to listen to Steve Albini not letting me follow him on Twitter again? Like I played a couple weeks ago? You want to listen to that again? Dig that knife a little deeper. That's on our YouTube page. At Better Yet Pod on YouTube, Steve also talks about his father, who was an early Fortran developer. Brilliant man with doctorates in philosophy, mathematics, and engineering. And he was one of the earliest developers in computer programming. Steve Albini is one of the smartest people I've ever met. Go over to our YouTube page and listen to him talk about the smartest person that he's ever met. YouTube.com slash betteryetpod. You know, sometimes you do something for a really long time the same exact way, and you think to yourself, when is somebody going to notice? I know that you're out there and that you have been noticing and that this matters to you. But there is a freedom in just taking a conversation from two years ago and putting it on a whole different channel and a whole different lens. And look, I'm just looking at all these pictures of Steve Albini with Chloe on the couch in our apartment. It makes me so happy. But there's also power in making mistakes and... We'll get into it a little bit more when we get to my interview with Blue Broderick, but this is a moment for this podcast, I think. A lot of pieces coming together because, you know, when I decided that I want to do the podcast again, I was really just like at the end of my rope with trying to find a job in in the ways that we learned about in our software engineering boot camp. And, th- and those ways were really, really well and true. And there is nothing that our instruction and our program did but prepare us for a, a good job market, a booming job market. And, you know, we just happened to come into a year where Software engineers are just getting laid off left and right. And, you know, I just, uh, I missed this. I wasn't feeling myself, but I'm feeling myself again. And anyway, I started doing these interviews and some of the ones that you've heard these 
past few weeks have been from different times than that. And um, one of those times, uh, well, the last of those times, I guess, before I started doing the show again, was an interview with Blue Broderick. And thank God for a technical error, because I just wasn't feeling like that, like I was there in that conversation just wasn't feeling it so i reached out again to blue i said let's do this again and then i start i tried using this software zencaster that i've been avoiding for years david anthony dan ozzy did it on the no plus one podcast jeremy bohm's been using it for the first ever podcast I've been editing that for a couple of years. Still caught up in doing it my own way. Thought, I like the way that I'm doing it. And it wasn't efficient. And then I had this conversation with Blue over Zencaster. And the conversation itself was the perfect meeting place for two like-minded souls to just make an excuse to talk again pretend to have a reason to talk and it's all in this interview and i felt good about (laughs) I've, i've always felt good about the interviews but like this is this is me feeling like i was when i was talking to stevie knight Back in 2017, I referred to it on episode 100 of this podcast. And it's the sound of Tim and not Tim's depression. And this conversation was just so fucking fun. Me and Blue. And then I realized I got this Zencaster thing. So, um... I just thought I'd open up the phones. So let's see. Let's see who we're talking to. Let's see who we're talking to here for about the next 15 minutes. Oh my God. It's Gamey Carl. Hello. <laughs> Hi, greetings. How are you? Um, guess who I just got off the phone with? <laughs> Your bandmate. Now, I don't want to say anything disparaging about this person, but he lives in Chicago and he's not very tall. Is it Mark? Yeah. <laughs> I love Mark. That's I so love Mark too. I love Mark so, so much. And uh, I was so glad to hear from him. You, Carl, are the only person that I directly roped into this because I knew that we just had to talk. You're in Chicago. I'm in Valparaiso. I know. How crazy. I moved from North Carolina to Chicago. I did the unthinkable. You fell in love. That's what you did. Uh, yeah, guilty as charged. Oh my goodness, who's this? Who's this partner of yours? When am I gonna meet him? Um, Tim, uh, that's such a good cue. Uh, let's link up. Yes, let's do it. I have been living in a hole down here in Valparaiso, but I'm out. I'm out, baby. You're out of the hole. I'm out of the hole. Yeah, I did web development boot camp. I went a little crazy, but here we are. Okay, wait, that's something I have deeply considered because every job I've famously had while also making music has been like very retail centric. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know what you mean. When I started this podcast, I was roasting coffee. When you and Zoe came over way back in the day, God, there was just that Kississippi EP. Crazy. And I was like, this is going to be a superstar. I have to say, there is like some fun kissy lore about that EP. When that mm. EP first came out, um, it came out on a very small label. And I we toured with Zoe like right after that, right after it came out. And for probably the next year and a half, I begged her every day to post the EP on Spotify. Oh my God. Yeah. Because it was like, it was like that era. It was like, you could buy the EP on Bandcamp for $666. It was like very, that early mm-hmm. internet troll era. And I was mm-hmm. like, so you have to post this shit on Spotify. Like you need to do it today, tomorrow, the next day. Like it has to happen this week. And finally she did it like after like a year and a half and within like, one week the numbers were huge and i was like see i told you i was like literally like a star is born vibes <laughs> that freaking rules um boy i i did have a point um that i connected to and that's why i was talking to my buddy hugo reyes of chicago as well and he was asking me about some glockamora lore and i was so taken aback by the fact that I was explaining to someone that, yeah, Ghoul Intentions, they recorded after Just Married, but Just Married, if you look at the liner notes, it's snowing convinced us to actually record these songs. Give me a break. Indie Rock is full of the lore like this. It's so fun. How are things? I was looking at your design portfolio. Are you doing design work often now, Carl? I, um, so I'm always kind of doing it. It's definitely something mm-hmm. that's always happening in the background. Um, I had some really cool freelance gigs in the last year. I did a couple posters for Lydia Loveless around New Year's. She played two Chicago shows and I got commissioned to do both of the 11 by 17 posters for that. So that was really cool. Um, but I don't know. I've basically been on quote unquote retainer with my friend Will and his tape label sound is language. And I think we're on. 28 releases that I've done layout and design work for. So that's wow. absolutely crazy. And all those Oceanator records that you did too. Cause I was looking at your web uh, portfolio. Remind, remind me and the folks at home where they can find your design information on the internet, Carl. All of my design information can be found at Carl Kuhn, which is K U E H N. It's K A R L K U E H N dot me. M E. That's right. I was having so much fun looking at this because it's a cute (laughs) little profile. We have on the bottom here, like, these records actually came out. We're on countless (laughs) albums that have actually come out, and they have always ended up looking really, really good. And yeah, I feel comfortable saying it. Good for you. It's true. I mean, I feel like with with design, especially in the last like five years with everything being so digital, it's like not everyone can say that they've done layout work that has actually come out. You know, a lot of it is just like a cover art for a digital release. Oh, that's I'm like, so awesome. Yeah. I own all these on vinyl and it is crazy because I made them. Isn't that so neat? Yeah. It's sickening. Do you have any posters that you're looking at and thinking maybe in a few years, I'm going to hit up my friend, Josh, who does the spinning out podcast. Cause Josh is a poster uh, dictionary. <laughs> the fact that his job is like truly digging, like digging up these like artifact posters and like 
putting all the information online about them, like chronicling their existence. I'm like, this is so fun and crazy. I'm like waiting for the day a museum Mouthwan enters the lexicon. Did you play any shows with anybody that has like a weird, like fame lore that you might be able to be like, Oh my God. Yes. There's me. And that's right. That was the, the museum mouth show with Gigi Allen. I don't know about that, but I will say recently, um, having moved to like a new city and like meeting a bunch of other people that are into indie rock, I think a lot of my North Carolina indie rock pedigree has jumped out. I know I got to blow some minds the other night being like, oh yeah, you know, July 4th, uh, 2010, we played a show with Hopalong and P.S. Elliot, like all that kind of stuff being like, oh yeah, you know, they're, I wouldn't even say they're friends, but we've definitely played multiple shows with them. They're acquaintances. They're like people that we grew up with. Yeah, totally. Oh, I have so, I had such a funny story to tell you because in my web development boot camp, I was like, I was just thinking so narrow of like, this is Tim Crisp. Better yet is a past part of me. And I spent, I was lucky enough to do a program that put me with a career coach who I would love, I would love for the two of you to get together because you're all wonderful. She's an Aries she freaking gets me. You know, Chloe was an Aries. I did not know that, but I love that. Yeah. Um, but we talked so much th- during this time, and I was like, really kind of keeping this world that I have from, I don't know why, but a few months ago, I was like, I think I'm going to bring the podcast back. I think it would be just good for me to put my web development stuff in here because LinkedIn has not given me anything. And she's like, I think that that's a pretty good idea. And so I like did a couple interviews, you know, and I would like tell her, yeah, I talked to my friend James, a band called Daisy, and just all this stuff that I have been so used to being from punk and like, I want to keep this low key, right? Mm-hmm. And I finally like worked up enough energy to actually do it and then like actually post about it on Twitter and stuff like that. And she said the funniest thing to me, Carl. I'm so ready. I posted it. She said, I've got it all. I'm like giddy with excitement. And she's like, so is this on Spotify or Apple? And I was like, yeah, of course it is. Like, and then... I realized that like she had no idea what any of the things that I was talking about were. I just hadn't shown her like the actual piece mm-hmm. where, where she... all of it truly exists. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, that's what a network looks like. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. That's so funny. Yeah, that is in all my little civilian jobs I've ever had, like any random coworker that doesn't know about the existence of punk and indie rock, they're just like, is your music on Spotify? And I'm like, duh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah duh. and it's so funny. I'm still working out like how to, how to like, I don't know, manage it because I, I, in some ways I'm just like, yeah, a friend of mine gave me advice and um, he's got, he has 50,000 listens on Spotify. And, and she's, you know, that's good context. But then there's other times when I'm just like so fucking hyped up that I'm like, look at this fool, Lucy Dacus. She's on the fucking cover of Rolling Stone. I talked to her about Final Conflict, Asian Man Records. 
I mean, I will go to my grave talking about how the first Lucy Dacus record came out on Egg Hunt Records, which famously I also put a record out on. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is so crazy. Your label mate, Lucille. <laughs> Lucille. I don't even know if that's her name. I'm sorry, Lucy. We're pals. Yeah. Big fan over here. Dude, big fan. Uh, big fan of all of Boy Genius. I think that the rest of them should come on the show. What do you think? Oh my god, literally they're a shoe-in. Could you imagine? The interviews would pop off. Yeah, I'll have to have some uh, backhanded way to get at them because they uh, have a publicity firm that doesn't return my emails, but that's okay. I got buddies. I was going to say, I've seen the tweets lately about how like going through a PR person is almost always a failure, and that is very true. When we had big PR, I turned down a lot, but... It's just so much, it means so much more when a creator like reaches out to you directly and you can like bet them and they're normal. They're not like trying to interview you for their like high school paper or something. They're not like, oh, so you're gay. Can we talk about that? <laughs> Nick Let's and I lead watched. with that. Do you, do you take watched. antidepressants? Because I want people to, to really relate to your music and your struggle. I don't want you to make money literally nick and i watched like a 16 minute video last night of like the rudest interview questions that stars have been asked and i'm like oh so many people just prying in the wrong way you have to hear about this story my sister isabella ambrosio is fucking killing it at her college paper did you know my sister is goes to college in dublin no oh my god wait that is so neat check her out she writes for the university observer.ie she's interviewed bands in ireland she thinks that she's totally unqualified to do what she's doing but she got an ap commission she did the interview today and she's like oh i'm just not i'm not good enough at this and i'm like dude you got a commission from ap you don't have to wait until your name is printed you're working for ap yeah, that literally, that goes on your resume immediately. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's so sickening. I know. I'm so Are we excited talking about? Are we talking about AP as in like alternative press? Alternative press. I got Do her you know? a subscription when she was 12. And she <sighs> led with that yesterday when she told me that she got this commission. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, that is like beyond. Also, did you know that... Museum Mouth, we toured the AP headquarters and we signed the wall. Did you? Isn't that, yes, That's we, really cool. Yes. Uh, shout out to being on Equal Vision. I was like, wow, have not read this magazine in two billion years. But here we are with our little Sharpies signing the wall. That's so cool. I'd love to sign a wall one day. That was, Tim, I think a, you could sign a wall. You should sign the wall behind you. No, I just painted this room. <laughs> it looks I great. Got, I got like a uh, little Matisse and Vermeer pieces I'm starting to put around the door. Um, Carl, tell me about what's going on with Museum Mouth. Cause I just talked to our friend Mark and he mentioned that he's playing in your live band now. So you're in Chicago and you have a live band. Yes. I'm in Chicago. Mark is in the gay meat live band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really, it's nice. Obviously first time I've moved to a big city since I was like 18. So Definitely, like, didn't really know what to expect with this, but truly within one week of being here, Andy from Annabelle and parties and 
every other band under the sun um, mm-hmm. had reached out saying that Mush, another band that Andy's in, had a hold at Sleeping Village and was like, hey, we need a third band. I know you just moved to the city. I know that you're by yourself, but like, I will play drums for you if you want to do it. And I was like, okay, I'll think about it. And he was like, actually, I'm just going to confirm you and then we can just figure out practice later. And I was like, okay, that's the what kind of tough love I need. Yeah, truly. Like bully me into actually doing something. So that happened. And then really quickly and very easily, like post online being like, does anyone want to play bass? Does anyone want to play guitar? And a bunch of people reached out. And within like a week, we had a live band and we were practicing. And it's truly an all-star lineup. I'm like gagged that I have nice friends that are willing to do this. Oh, you know, that's a bit inspiring because I wrote some songs before I went to boot camp. I did a little bit of recording with my friend Marcus, and there's been a few things that have happened in just this 14 minutes that's making me think, like, I should at least have Marcus mix those things. Most Are we talking about Marcus from Rap Boys? Of course, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, you literally better. I want to hear them. I think I made the Dropbox folder last week, and then I just forgot about it. I'm going to do that now. Carl... I hate to cut you off like this, especially on a matter so personal, but fucking I'm just now I'm giddy with inspiration about (laughs) what's all been happening in your world. Thank you. Yeah. And there's always work to be done. So stop talking to me and go get some work done. Thanks, Bubba. I love you. Toodaloo. Oh, Oh, that's sweet, sweet boy. You know, when I interviewed Zoe from Mississippi, come outside to the living room, uh, living room where we filmed the live episode better yet um and gave me carl and my roommate wills who is now a librarian and who also has a mcgruber tattoo they're just watching rupaul's drag race together and it's a very very fun memory that i have living in chicago and uh oh speaking of chicago geez this is uh this is a dear old friend of mine calling in i guess let's not rather than one of them drop you in because gay meat carl was i keep calling him gay meat carl um carl was on the podcast before now this uh this caller is a friend of mine named mark jeshke who's played in bands like kitty hawk and he's playing in parties now and he He's a, he's a dear friend. He's a dear friend who I got to make um, in my time playing music in Chicago, which I don't talk about as much for some reason. And, jeez, uh, I guess I did just mention that to Carl. So that cat's kind of out of out of the bag. Um, anyway, um, Mark and I talk about a lot of bands that we like. One of them is the Please and Thank Yous, and another one of them is Kitty Hawk. And let's just talk to mark for a second speed no i don't know i'm feeling good about these waveforms mark jeshke back again once again hello tim once again mark we talked a little bit earlier we're talking again this time to fucking document it welcome back to better yet you're now a two-time i love it (laughs) i love it it's a dream come true really now, everybody is going to want to know that you play in parties with Andy Hendricks, past and future guests of this show, and they're going to love the fact that you're in Kitty Hawk. You still are in Kitty Hawk with Evan Lorich and Kate Groob. In spirit. 
I think we, we've always been and always will be Kitty Hawk. You guys went to Japan in 2020, and our friend Matt Jordan uh, gave me a great story about going in Japan, which was having people coming up to him and say, you're Matt Jordan, you recorded... Oh, actually, I can fill those in. You recorded Kitty Hawk, the please and thank yous, into it, over it, sincere engineer. But you got to go and you got to experience that love at a very very uh good point in time to get a trip to japan in for your little band yeah it was um um right before the pandemic started um late january 2020 um we were the last um american band that our friend hajime books that got to go over there he had he had some other tours i think pet sim had a, a tour planned for maybe like March or April 2020, which obviously never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but truly like just an amazing experience. So grateful, met so many wonderful people. Um, and I was slowly reintroducing meat into my diet after not <laughs> eating meat for some time. And that was um, interesting and delicious. And, and Yeah, you get a lot of good food. Oh, so much, so much. Um, we, what was we your did, favorite we, part about Japan other than the 7-Elevens? Because those 7-Elevens are... They're nuts. Unbelievable. I remember coming back here and just being like, oh, man, I could just use like a little thing of rice with some stuff stuffed in it, and I, I can just go there and get it for a dollar. Nope, nope. You know what we get here? Freaking crappy sandwiches for three fifty. So, you know, actually, um, and I can reach down and get it. Um, yeah, you're going to be careful favorite... holding that microphone on my podcast, right? Yes, yes. My favorite thing <laughs> um, was after after we were done playing our shows, um, Kate and I, um, after, and this is after um, Eric, uh, Evan, and Claire all departed, we did a day of, of like kind of wandering around Tokyo and um, – <sighs> We landed into this this little bookstore. I forget the name of it, but I, I bought this book, um, an atlas of rare and familiar color. Whoa. That's like it's just. I mean, it's it's what you kind of expect. There's yes. there's like little little mm-hmm. vials of of pigments, um, and then also these like really poetic and beautiful um, sort of texts about each not each color, but you know throughout there's 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 oh, really yeah. beautiful pros about um the different colors and it's it's just um oh you know what the the bookstore i still have the tag on it it's from um utrecht utrecht that's awesome. so yeah that and that that's just i mean and we honestly spent an hour at least in this bookstore just like looking at everything and and the the people who owned it were so gracious and like we're like fine with us just Kind of using it as a library almost, mm. um, but I, I picked up, I picked up some other zines and 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 I know Kate got some stuff too, and that that was really a special time too because it was just the two of us and 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 you know I and I, like, I who freaking I feel like you won the lottery there hanging out with Kate Group for a day like that. Yeah, I mean, and and the thing, I mean, I you probably know this about me. Um, but I, I think I personally thrive in, in smaller conversations rather than a large party. So it was it was really nice 
just for us to um, really, I mean, it, it, and, and it was, we at, at that point, like the shows were done and everything. So it was just like two friends just like walking around a place that like is at that point a little familiar, but still very like new to mm. us. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was very, it was very beautiful. Yeah. Man, that very makes special. me, that makes me feel so great to think about the two of you going to a place like that. I got to go to Japan in 2016. It was transformative. I have Raymond Carver books in Japanese. And I also have really fond memories of, um, well, meeting you, Mark, um, starting to play in the please and thank yous. And you, uh, I actually don't really talk about the please and thank yous much on this show. Um, because I never really wanted to make it about anything that I was doing musically. But when I met you, it was right after a record called At Your Mercy came out. And you and I, I think, got to form a pretty special friendship because that was, I believe, your one of your favorite records of that year because I, I seem to remember everybody's year-end lists. And I... I was so excited about playing the first please and thank you show. And I remember you putting a swerp sticker on my leg and I said, I don't really know anybody here except for the people that are on stage. And, but I've been out there. I was a fan of the please and thank yous. And like, yeah, fucking if you're not at home listening to at your mercy by the please and thank yous right now. I think that you're doing yourself a disservice if you want to learn about Chicago pop punk and um, that time, because fucking talk about a band that the people who loved, loved. I mean, I I had a a brief tenure with Please and Thank Yous as well. And I mean, it it was, uh, man, I can't say enough good things about that album still to this day. It's, I mean, I think, you know, uh, uh, when that came out now, like 11, 12 years ago, I mean, and still, I mean, there's been nothing that sounded like that record mm-hmm. um, in in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't know if you want me to 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 dive in. I've and I, I know I've 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 given this spiel to Jeff many times, but I mean, the songwriting is so sincere, intelligent fucking funny um heartbreaking the songs are tight he was just on something and i remember there's there's the song um um uh, about his his work schedule at the time because him mm. and i and, and i don't i don't directly know i don't think the song is directly i think i about. know what you're talking about i actually have that record it's a confusing sequence in my head because I remember the original one and there's a little bit different, but I think I definitely, I think I'd know one of the three where he's talking about um, a dynamic. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And, and he was, I mean, we, we were hanging out and again, I'm, I'm not saying this song is about me or anything, but we were hanging out a lot while that record was being written and, and he was working I don't remember where he was working, um, but he was also at school at, at UIC wrapping up his uh, his degree. And um, 
we just we just I didn't get to see my friend for so long. And then when I heard yeah. that song for the first time fully recorded, I got like emotional because I'm like, dude, I remember that like mm. that winter when you were gone. Mm. And mm-hmm. and you know, I'm I, I love that record. Um he just he's he's been tinkering with um a remix for years for a for while years. somebody should sounds... uh, put that record actually out on a physical pressing because it sounds great and it'd be a great chance to remaster it fully yeah and 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 it's it's as far as i i, I think i heard the final version a little bit ago and it sounds marvelous oh my god it's, it's a and it's i mean and, and again no one was doing what they were doing back then no one's tried to you know hit that sound i've been told it's a perfect this. record i've been told this from the source there is a reason that um the rhythm section of that band became the rhythm section of other bands and um fucking i'm mean, shout out to the homie marcus we're not we haven't like fully said marcus nuccio plays drums and rap boys and he does all the art on this podcast from day one the little sketch of a by and a microphone that i sent him um and god those two taught me so much about how to play music and i wish that i had the patience that it requires because i hate practicing (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think I think having those, you know, early collaborators who also serve as mentors, I think is a huge reason why I do anything now, mm. you know, being mm-hmm. able to, <clears throat> I mean, I've played at this point, I've played with so many people and everyone's nuances um, have ended up in some way or another, every single person. I played with has shaped where I'm at now with with songwriting and I I, you know it's it's cool to be able to like kind of you know a decade on kind of reflect on that and be like oh yeah that that way that that Evan and Louie used to play drums together that really combative thing I can see Mm -hmm. where that kind of comes in when I'm thinking of an instrumental break or yeah yeah thinking about you know, with good brother, I'll, I'll be like, Oh man, the way that, you know, I might want to put some crazy fucking like solo Joram, who should also be on this show at some point, she would be playing something that's a little bit more subdued and tamed and so much more intelligent, like a part that's so much more intelligent. So it's, it's, it's fun to be able to, you know, think back and, and really, um, you know, admire your, friends collaborators as as also you know mentors in a way yeah dude hard agree you are you are on a good emotional tip right now dude i we talk we're always like connected in some way but like it's fucking great to just have a reason to talk to you twice in the same day yeah and i mean <laughs> and, and and just you know thinking about that that idea of you know a good point in your life uh cutting out booze is is marvelous it's a marvelous thing to do for yourself you doing good <laughs> it's great good it's great it's uh my partner um doesn't drink 
as well. And and so we started dating. I'm like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to, you know, just, I'm not going to get fucked up, mm-hmm. and, but I'm still going to, you know, party every so often. Um, and then that felt weird. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just like, you know, one or two a night. And then that felt weird. So I'm just like, I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's been fine. You That's know? good. It's been, it's been, it's been nice. That's you know? good. Yeah. Yeah. Just finding, you always got to check in. You always mm-hmm. got to go back and make sure that just because you made a change doesn't mean it's going to carry you through till the end. And, you know, it also doesn't mean that it's the exact right one at the time. So mm. I'm glad to hear that you're just doing good in general. And I am fucking excited about this gamey lineup that you're in. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't get away from Andy. That's exactly what Carl said. Andy, Andy, he's like, Andy just like said, I'll play drums. Actually, I'm just going to put your name down. So um, fucking what a what a hero. One of the best. One of the absolute best. Mark, if we do this again, call back anytime. Love it. Yeah. I Again, great, great man. I didn't get to speak to. So I'm I'm always I'm always around. Thanks, Bo. All right. Thanks to Mark for calling in being a guinea pig, too, because we talked once and, you know, I like the Zencaster software, but it didn't really work out for me that time. Uh, we'll have to engineer a solution to that. But point being, Mark, a super, super sweet homie who also just put me in touch with a bunch of friends I haven't talked to in some time because I moved. And you know what? Just having excuses to talk to your buddies is so great. But I'm actually going to drop this for a professional obligation. We've got, um, I guess you call him a uh, a major punk rock celebrity on the line. Let's let's talk to Jeremy Bohm from Touche Amore and the first ever podcast. There he is, my benefactor in Los Angeles, my boss, Jeremy Bohm of the first ever co- podcast. You just call him to check in on on what I do when I'm not in and uh, when I'm not editing your live episode with Justin Pearson. That's exactly that's exactly what's happening here. <laughs> I was going to list more and then I just like fully went blank, but I've been I've edited like a 100 episodes of your podcast now at this point, haven't I? Wow, are we getting that close? I I guess that makes sense cuz you came on when I made the switch to hard times, which was around the 30-ish episodes. So yeah, I think we're almost there. Wow, that's crazy. Amazing. So it's We like... should have, we need to have our own like 100th episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's flown, God, it's flown, it's seriously flown by. Like, it feels like just yesterday was the 100th episode and now we're like already almost a year from that. Because it's like 50 episodes kind of makes a year, right? for the most yeah, part 50 episodes makes a year and you know i wasn't i was in valparaiso for not too long when david anthony said that this was a possibility and sure. I've lo- i love listening to your interviews each week on the first ever podcast well, i'm glad you're not sick of it just yet you know dude you're so sweet to everybody you talk to 
What would well, I be sick of, you silly head? Wait, I need to have like the big blowout uh, confrontational episode. That just hasn't happened for me yet. You know, wouldn't that just be strange? Jeremy, I'm I'm sitting here with a sign on my right on top of me like I'm ringside at WrestleMania. Have me on the first ever podcast. Sorry, this is my <laughs> fight with, with like everybody. It's like everybody. I just want I just want to make a public campaign for them to be my best friend somehow. In some like <laughs> in some way that doesn't matter. Sure. Not that it wouldn't matter being a guest on the first ever podcast. You've got a lot of great guests on there. Jeff Rickley was on there. That was a good one. I enjoyed yeah. actually I enjoyed your one hundredth episode where um you were interviewed yourself. That was a special one for me, too. David interviewed me for our hundredth episode. You got to bring in the pals for those things. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, mm-hmm. it's also you 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 want to bring in somebody that also is uh, confident in asking questions, which is nice too. You know, and uh, yeah, I had Jordan from La Dispute on that, and that was a lot of fun because Jordan is a very old pal, and uh, you know, lot, it's hard yeah. to sort of deflect from the consistent inside jokes in those situations too, though, because you're like you don't want to alienate your audience. I don't feel I don't feel alienated as someone who's like kind of into hardcore. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes over my head, but I don't know. I think that, well, maybe the idea is that listening to people who have their own language is something that you get to be a part of. I know that that's I'm describing inside baseball, but I don't know. I think that we live in a footnotes world. I think inside baseball is all right these days. Yeah, I, I guess in those situations, it's it's I'm I always do my best to uh, explain for the listener what we may be talking about. Whereas like maybe when the podcast started, I was like way too oblivious for that sort of stuff. And I didn't know, you know, I had no idea what I was even doing. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's good to uh, do your best to to wrangle people in. Um, but yeah, how's uh, how's being back for you, Ben? You've been enjoying doing the interviews again? <sighs> I've been enjoying it so much. And a lot of it had to do with the empowerment that I felt in just deciding that I was going to do this because I did a web development boot camp and I'm looking for a position as a full stack engineer. And then suddenly posting about that on social media is um, it's more about me getting health insurance than it is about me going out there and be like, Oh, listen to my thing. I know that there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I try really hard. Um, And, you know, I also had a narrow, like, time trying to network on LinkedIn. And then it just, I was depressed and I wasn't thinking about my network. It's right there. It, the proof's in the pudding. I contacted all these people myself or through a friend. Yeah. So I feel fucking awesome, man. I feel like what I do is important, and I didn't think that it was. And I don't know. Uh, the things that inspired me, they mean the world to me. And, dude, people have been saying that this shit was inspiring to them, and they're young and they're smart. It's just so fucking neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the thing. It's funny. It's uh, I feel like for a lot of us, it's uh, starting a show like this is a way for us to connect with people and sort of 
you know, have something to look forward to, to do and to work on, but you don't ever fully think about the listener's relationship to it and how it might affect them. So yeah, it's, I, I get what you're saying completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now how was that live episode? We talked about it a little bit on your live episode, but actually fucking this is my show how did you do this thing where you you interviewed justin pearson from the locust and then miller's crossing played right after it it was barton fink was that your... sorry not even barton, barton fink. blood fink? simple what am i talking about blood simple, blood it was blood simple. simple. um so what did i say so yeah um, Miller's crossing so we've we we just want to say we covered like most of the coen brothers box set just right there between us yeah right just pointing that out because i i could talk about this stuff for days so uh so brain dead is a streetwear company but on top of that they bought the silent movie theater on fairfax here in los angeles a couple years back um so they do you know they show really cool older films um they like to sort of show pretty panned movies that like will just kind of make people laugh to go see in the theater like for instance they'll be like yo do you want to go see a 35 millimeter print of Freddie got fingered, you know, like one of those sort of <laughs> situations. Um, so I'm waiting for like a troll too, but no, Freddie got fingered. I like where these people are coming from. They yeah. fucking understand that the classics continue. Yeah. So like, they'll have really fun kind of like triple features of like, maybe like a super credible movie followed by like freeway yeah. Two, you know, something like super bizarre and, and weird. Um, so, uh, I've been a fan of what they've been doing for a while. I've gone to a fair amount of showings with just some friends. Um, and then Madison who plays in the band fury, uh, he recently became sort of a, uh, a part of the team there. Um, just kind of mm. in general when it comes to like organizing events and whatever. Um, so Madison had asked me in the past, like, yeah, we should do a live thing here. Um, the right opportunity never really arose. And then we had these 15 year anniversary shows for my band coming up. And I thought, Hey, we should just sort of try to Wait, knock all these Touché out. Amore? Yeah, exactly. Touché so Amore, we were like, this, right? Yeah. So we were like, we should knock this out. And uh, it was super fun. It was like uh, an excuse for me to get to have a movie night and then also do the podcast live. So it all kind of worked out. And like, I think if anyone had any familiarity with um, me in any capacity, you probably know that I'm a big Coen Brothers fan. So it only felt right to show the first Coen movies. Funny, I, I, I suggested three different Coen movies and they picked my third option, but it's fine. I'm happy to show in. So what were what were the other two? Have we mentioned them yet on the podcast? No, I don't think so. So my first choice would have been Inside Wait, Lewin I Davis. Guess, because... I want to guess. I want to guess. Well, I just ruined the first one. It's all right. It's all right. It's, it's, it's the first time we've done this. Inside Lewin Davis was my first choice. Guess my second choice. Fargo? It was not Fargo. It was not Fargo. It was uh, because actually funny enough, because that same week um, at a different theater in Los Angeles, uh, they were doing a double feature of Fargo and the man who wasn't there with Roger Deakins doing like a, a guest conversation. Um, so I was like, well, I don't want to have to play against that. So uh, it was Miller's Crossing. Uh, those are my those are my choices. Um, I really wanted to do Inside Lewin Davis because yeah. I'd only seen it once in the theater and then. Um, it's also the 10 year anniversary of it. So I figured that'd be kind of a fun 
thing. And also, I feel like it's kind of an underrated mm. movie of theirs. Like, I think it's celebrated amongst people, but I don't know that it's in the conversation as much as some of their other films. Yeah, it, that is true. I think people just take a long time to come around to things, but I think I experienced the same thing with Inside Lewin Davis that I did with No Country for Old Men. And that's when I, you know, if I can pair those experiences, then I know that this is part of the the best of the best. And yeah, dude, it was just like, wow. It's just that feeling. Like I remember seeing No Country in the theater and my friend Katie, when we were leaving, was like, do you guys notice there wasn't any music in that mm -hmm. movie? And we were all like, whoa yeah we did notice that but no we didn't yeah cool as shit yeah it's a it's a super strong choice and very effective in in so many ways um and i mean the soundtrack for inside Lewin davis is gorgeous it's so beautiful and the songs are you know it's funny uh one of my best friends and i get into uh one of our longest debates fights whatever you want to phrase it um is asking if certain movies are musicals like it's like and, and kind of what defines a musical oh, um uh-huh because uh -huh. they've made some musicals no country for or i'm saying not no country uh oh brother where art thou that's a musical so that that's a great question is it or is it not because you're like songs are certainly performed throughout it but one of the arguments could be in a musical the songs often carry the narrative and they sort of break the break the break the wall and kind of sing to the camera, but mm -hmm. that 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 not is not really happening in those films. I don't know. It goes back and forth. So this is what so the, it's it sparked this fight because have you ever seen a movie called Streets of Fire? Streets of Fire. I don't think I have. I just know the Bruce song, Streets of Fire. <laughs> so, uh, for your listeners, uh, it's it's put it in your heart in your homework. It's a an incredible film from the eighties. Uh, Walter Hill directed it. A uh, guy who did the Warriors, um, for oh, example. Walter Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah Walter Hill. Dude, that guy's a freak. Yeah, he rips. He uh he wrote fucking Aliens. He's a he's a true real one. Um, but anyway, uh, Streets of Fire, um, I argue that it is not a musical and my buddy Mike argues that it is. And that's where this whole fight started. Right. So, um, I also All don't right. think inside, I can't wait to, I can't wait to follow up with this yeah. on, uh, I don't think inside, my, I don't think inside Lewin Davis is a musical. I think that it is a movie that has songs performed in it. So, oh yeah, definitely. Um, I want everyone to chime in yeah, on this directly I've... to Tim. I want everyone to tweet at Tim about this specifically. At Better Yet Pod, because I have a newfound love and appreciation for Twitter, because there's nothing like graduating from a coding boot camp the week that guy buys it. <laughs> um, I watched, uh, I want to go back to say that I watched Blood Simple and Miller's Crossing recently. Uh, we upgraded our television set for the first time in our adult lives. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Miller's Crossing is so fucking funny. It's and it was so the funny. first time that I think I got it because it's dry, but it's fucking funny. Definitely. There's some, uh, I mean, the whole opening, um, the whole opening scene uh, with the ethics conversation is so funny. There's so many funny <laughs> lines in that. Um, 
Yeah. The, uh, are you with subtitles? Do you watch with subtitles just when you're at home? Often. Are you yeah, just because I'm subtitles my, on? My yeah. hearing's going. So yes. Totally, totally. I'm very pro subtitles on, and I want to empower anybody to if they feel like movies are too hard, please put the subtitles on. I think it really, really enhances the experience. Fucking who cares if that's not how people saw aliens in the theater? Could you imagine, though, seeing aliens without subtitles on? <laughs> um, I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, no, it's uh, I feel like for anyone uh, probably who's been involved in the punk community, who's now in their 30s and, and onward, um, captions are going to become a lot more present in their life just because uh, we, weren't, <laughs> we weren't thinking much about standing next to a drum set in a basement situation. So I have always looked towards you for advice jeremy you've always been the one who's a couple steps up sees ahead and i follow <laughs> thanks for coming on bubba no problem Come back anytime all right take care buddy have a good rest of your day i i don't want to take advantage of the position that i'm in but guys you gotta start nudging jeremy to interview me on the first ever podcast right like one was Oh, man, I've had so many answers to his questions editing that podcast. I think I'd be a pretty good guess. Well-equipped, though his closing question is never, never easy to answer. I don't know how I would handle that. I will say that when it comes to first experiences, now we're talking about Jeremy Bohm's first ever podcast, a big first experience for me doing better yet. After six months, I kind of gained up enough courage to see that Riot Fest was going to be a great opportunity for me to do something I hadn't done, which was back to back to back interviews with touring musicians. I don't think I'd done back to back to back. And back then, boy, I was working way too hard building up for a conversation with Mike Huguenor. But how do you prepare for a conversation with the greatest guitar player that you know of? <laughs> um, how do you how do you prepare a conversation with the guy who made the Shinobu records and? heart girls like fucking and then the next night gabby smith of gabby's world like the, to me the the coolest piece of that epoch movement which was fucking inspiring and god those you know fka eskimo records oh like oh that music fucking really 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 spoke to me from its beginnings its dorm room beginnings and god gabby was just so sweet i should post clips of that because she has a pretty funny story about watching kevin klein eat dinner um and that sunday was mikey erg <laughs> wearing his fucking shirt right now are you kidding me um but then this band diners 
was coming to town like after and I I just feel like it was a moment of like sitting down Mikey Erg Gabby Smith Mike Huguenor we all connected in in the best ways like it's still friends um and I just I took that friendship in but I also like you know was feeling like that that this was going to make a splash or something. I don't even know what I thought it was going to do, but um three fucking awesome interviews that I knew knew were canonical to what I'm doing. And I sit down and I just kind of look who's coming and there's this band Diners and this band has a connection to Lauren Records. I interviewed, I met Aaron Kovacs for episode nine of this podcast, interviewing Mark Chen. Tough interview, tough interview. But you know what? It was good. It was good. Both Aaron and I and Mark agreed. That was a good interview, and I'm proud of it. You should find it in the archives at betteryetpod.com or betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Because, I don't know, a good amount of information about summer vacation is in there. I've been hearing that the uh, 10-year anniversary of this Glockamora and summer vacation split is coming up. You know, (laughs) never in my fucking wildest dreams in 2016 did I think somebody would be writing about a 10-year anniversary of Glockamora and summer vacation split, but fucking Hugo Reyes is. We're lucky to be alive. We are lucky to be alive. Where was I? Diners. I find this band, and it's this record three, song 15 on a skateboard, and I just connected with the music, also connected very much with Blues Online presence. Had a big moment of affirmation looking at her Twitter and seeing a tweet that said, I do love being asked about my pronouns. And I I took that and I said, good, I'm glad that I'm asking people about their pronouns, even if they don't think that <laughs> I need to ask them. And I remember that interview so well, too, so vividly. And Blue was just such a joy to be around. Her music just touched me. It made me think of songwriters like Brian Wilson and Harry Nilsson and just how big that music could feel. How big that music could feel. And um, and I kept up. Diners released a record called Leisure World in 2020 and another one called Four Wheels and the Truth in um, 2022. And a continuation of this outstanding catalog. Five records. Can you believe five records of just a songwriter growing and expanding? And... We had a fun interview in November, even though I was feeling a little depressed, but thank God for a technical error because I reached back out again and, you know, Blue had a lot 
to share with me after the first interview, and it was really, really nice to just come back into it. Take two and say, fucking what do you want to talk about? And that's how this interview is. And I love you for listening. It's me and my friend Blue. I get a hey all right from you. Oh, it's looking good. Hey all right. Yeah. Yes. She's back. Blue Broderick. Welcome back to Better Yet. Oh, thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back again. Back again, and I I will fill everyone in on the great saga of this recording. And I just want to start by saying I'm so happy that we got a chance to have this conversation again. Uh, it gave me a chance to try out a new software, and now that I'm a software engineer, I love software. And I just love hanging out with my buddy Blue. It's I for the people for the people who can't, you know, this is an audio uh mm. I this is an audio type thing. So uh, you know, from my end, what I'm looking at, it's looking pretty good. It's looking great. <laughs> the recording is being documented. I am back with DIY's favorite Leo. As the great Mo <laughs> Troper wrote, <laughs> I've been reconnecting with so many of my Leos, Blue. It's it is no Check coincidence that we're talking again. That's great. Anyone? Anyone I would know? Um, no, no worries if not. It, it was. It ranges from a old coworker uh, who I had a. Just tough time being the manager of back in the day, who is now managing a whole team of people. Um, and uh, then there's someone whose name I'm not going to share on air because cool. she's yeah, a yeah. very famous old friend of mine. Wow. That, uh, I forgot about. Well, I didn't forget about. I just, you don't realize your people are get famous. That's true. People it, do get famous. People get famous despite what. Despite what it seems like out there, people are out there getting famous. <laughs> so when when Mo talks about you being DIY's favorite Leo, are you connected to your astrological charts on on a level greater than uh, Mo knows that you're a Leo? Um. Well, I would say that I used to be a little bit more. Um, aware of my placements but it not so much these days but also like my understanding is so like like um astrological app on my phone Mm -hmm. type knowledge but where but like i i for years i was dating somebody who was really deep into it and was always like able to really like it helped our relationship so much their mm-hmm. deep level of understanding and uh i've i've like since then like kind of like we're cuz we're still friends like i'll like ask them i'm like what do you think of this what what's this what's what's going on here yeah and uh yeah so they're they're a great resource but i i kind of I, I i don't know i like to ask other people what's going on i like to hear I love it as just another layer of understanding the way that people can connect to each other. It's so nice to have like a base of, oh, my favorite Leos. 
Blue, Carl Jung, Stanley Kubrick. Um, but also, I don't know. It's kind of like everything can be an interesting layer of understanding. And with something that's so old, it's pretty fun to make um, connections like that in the modern age, I think. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, li- I like it too. Speaking of making connections from the modern age, I've been watching Get Back on Disney Plus, the Beatles documentary. Are you familiar with the music of the Beatles? Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> I Hey, I love that band. I love that band, too. And I totally forgot about this, but... I got a text from a good friend of mine, past and future guest, Pat Nordyke of the band Bruges, a fellow Los Angelian now, um, just like Blue. Where are you in LA, by the way? I'll get back to this. I'm in beautiful Pasadena. Oh, Pasadena. Now, is that where Bob lives? Yeah. Bob from Fat and Funky is in Pasadena, right? Yeah, I live like a mile away from Bob. It's great. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I had it's really, no idea. Really cool. Yeah. Oh, Bob is one of my freaking heroes. Like, for Damn. real. What Bob has done with Fat and Funky is so amazing. In fact, I think Bob reached out to me around maybe in between talking to you and Jason Clackley of like oh, six cool. months. Um removed maybe the two of you were and that's that's when i connected with bob and then i realized oh this is bob bob a fat and funky wow yeah bob uh well wait has bob been on the show bob was on an episode of our um now now muted patreon And that was a really fun conversation to just kind of indulge in. You built a thing. You Mm -hmm. really built a thing that like continues to put out music from, I mean, I've been able to listen to Morgan from Hard Girls music consistently. Mm -hmm. Thank you to Bob. Oh, yeah. I know. Probably. Yeah. One of the few places besides like besides all the Hard Girls stuff, like Mm -hmm. there's some really deep cut morgan morgan albums that are up on the fat and funky band camp very very cool stuff morgan is such a great experimenter such a great words Mm. person too and uh mike Mike huganor from that from that band is also pretty good with uh doing all those things too it's yeah i mean they're that's they're they're also talented I recently, I recently uh, hung out with Morgan and, and did a little bit of recording. I don't know if it's ever gonna like come out um, or like what the deal is, but um, but yeah, Morgan's up to Morgan's up to some stuff. Uh, I, I got to hear a lot of it, and it sounds really, really good. And it's really different too, which is cool. Like it sounds like um, just just like the the nature of of where. It, I mean, I guess I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Know. It's experimental. It yeah. like he he really like leans into what he's interested in, and a lot mm-hmm. of that is like really cool textures and uses of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So earlier, 
my friend Pat Nordek, Los Angeles, texted our our Discord chat. This is where I uh, I get all of the all of my knowledge of heavy music and also just hang out with my buds. And Pat says, just saw Tony Molina and he played a GBV cover, a song I didn't recognize and fucking, oh, I don't know what it was. It's, it's not maybe entombed like a instrumental, like piece of an entombed song. Uh And then I looked on Twitter later and saw a tweet from you blue and and you said tony molina just covered and your bird can sing by the beatles uh-huh i was, was so, so happy good. to get that that missing piece that deep cut in between <laughs> right yeah no because that was it was it was so funny yeah because i think that was like that was it like there was no encore and it mm. was just that three song block basically and then it, that was it and then like the audience wanting more and then, you know, the band just packing up their gear and eventually like <laughs> someone in the band, not Tony, says into the microphone, that's it. And just so it's, it's it was a very, it was a very cool way to go out. But, <sighs> I love that. I love that so much. Do you remember the mm-hmm. first time you heard Tony Molina's music? Yeah, I was driving through the Smoky Mountains oh and it was, I was driving through the Smoky Mountains on a, on tour with Dog Breath. I was in... I was playing in Dog Breath, and we were doing a tour with Quarterbacks. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, my God. I love that band. Yeah. Um, and every time I say it, I'm like, oh, wow. What a what a band. Um, Truly. But it was, it was, what a great era, too, of, like, Quarterbacks, football, et cetera. We're just getting mm-hmm. great, great word combos. Yeah. And, that, yeah, that tour was really cool. And yeah, we were just, I just, I, I don't know who put it on. I think Tristan from Dog Breath put that on and we were drinking just like really funny energy drinks that we could find (laughs) at the gas station. Uh, If I remember right, I, we found, I was drinking like this hemp energy drink and, uh, (laughs) listening to Tony Molina for the first time, the album Dist and Dismissed. And I was mm-hmm. like, it was really, really exciting because I had just not really heard a record that moved like that ever. Yeah. yeah. I, and um, yeah, just really blew my mind. And I was p- probably flying pretty high on that energy drink as well. It wasn't like, it didn't get me, I, what I, I said flying high. I was not, it didn't get you uh, stoned. It, right. But it, it got you, I mean, the, the caffeine high, the accept, socially acceptable caffeine high that you yes. get onto is uh, pretty wild. Um, this is totally anecdotal and probably not true, but I do remember hearing that Red Bull was not legal in Amsterdam. Um, don't quote me on that. Whoa. It, but it's so funny because I have literally vivid memories that are so similar, including down to the like... 99 cent energy drinks that my band at the time were all into getting and Mm -hmm. fucking love the ovens we love tony molina and also you ever tried marley's mellow mood it's like one of those like (laughs) really in a marley's mellow mood i've had it before but I feel like I feel like I was I feel like this was like over a decade ago. I don't think I definitely didn't buy it again. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we did. It we kind of was, it again, which is kind of kind of an indictment. Wait, but it. I mean, I I think the reason why I didn't get it again was, I I don't think I wanted to be in a mellow mood. I wanted to be revved up. I generally, when I drink a beverage, would like to be revved up rather than uh, mellowed out. I don't know what that says. Whenever whenever people ask me, what's Blue from Diners like? I'm like, she's all about revving it up. Like, don't even try to talk to her about a mellow mood. She's just (laughs) constantly revved up. Have you heard her music? It is so revved up. I'm trying. I mean, I, imagine imagine what it would be like if I wasn't wrapped up. <laughs> it'd be it'd be it'd be beyond mellow. It'd be beyond a mellow mood. Be <laughs> like a lot, music. a lot of like everything. All right, texts. Yeah. Um. So the Beatles get back. Oh my! You're God. watching it. I'm watching it. It is just such a fun place that I'm in with it right now. Billy Preston like showed up this morning. I woke up, wow, had my coffee and turned it on and Billy Preston walked in. And <laughs> it, it's honestly it, this is like take 2 of our of our follow-up interview is is like Billy Preston has has is with us in spirit having mm. this podcast. Yeah. I mean that's like such a yeah yeah when when that I mean it's like funny to refer to like actual events as like oh yeah episode 2 but right, yeah in right. episode 2 it's like when when he shows up which is like so funny because he's like mentioned in the first episode it's like almost like intentionally foreshadowing uh-huh like him being there um, yeah and then, uh, yeah, he shows up and joins the Beatles, basically. I I just love him showing up. And John Lennon is so to the point about it. Like, do mm-hmm. you want to do this? And he, the number of times it takes for him to just, like, take that in is so mm. funny. Because he just, you see him, like, fully process it and then say, wait, really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I love that he's just like, of course, of course, I'm gonna like play the Beatles, play with mm. the Beatles. You're, and then just watching them play with him yeah. is just like magic. It's so magic. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, he just, I, he, he got, he gets. I mean, the, I mean, clearly, like the, the, like he plus, he pluses the songs up so much that like they immediately song sound like the songs they should have been the whole time mm-hmm. and yeah it's like it's fun because i don't i don't even think i realize how much like how crucial it is to have to have those to have those keyboard parts but like i mean even though i you know it's like they're i knew they they were great but it is kind of like oh yeah they don't like it yeah i don't know it's I with get back. I, I, it's like I always mm. think about how I wish this were. As much as I love get back, I wish they were covering a record where 
you know, it's like maybe they were mm, in a more creative mm-hmm. peak than they are yeah. at this moment. Because this is like a low period, which is so strange to think about. Like, mm-hmm. the, we have, there's like 60 something hours of footage and it's like for their album where they like yeah. were struggling. So Struggling, but also like together for the first time in a long time. And so the dynamic is just so funny because it is like, it's hearing you say that and picturing like what a what a documentary of um the white album would look like over 10 hours and it's like just people not interacting with each other with anybody else mm-hmm. other than george martin <laughs> yeah like maybe maybe ringo like playing with each of them but like oh um but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, they did such a fair amount of working together on that, too. It's just, yeah. I mean, it, I think that just like what blows my mind is just like it, these aren't these albums aren't years apart. They're months and weeks apart. Like yeah. they really. Yeah, I, it really is their their output. Their output was just wild. And yeah, like I don't know. I I I wish I could match that level of output. It it was one of those moments. I always think about the Hold Steady's sort of origin story of they're watching um, the Last Waltz together, and they're like, "Wouldn't it be fun to play in a band again?" That Get Back documentary does that for me so big. Just the idea of they're playing just playing in a room and having just the microphones positioned the best way that they can be. And they're just having so much fun. It's like all the tension is always out of the performances. It's just so special. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, it's just so strange that it exists for us to watch. Mm -hmm. I think that's just like the most mind blowing thing is like, we just can watch this. Yeah. That's so strange. I think it's a little funny, too, to kind of take in with um, everything that's going on in the world of diners right now. Um, Especially, you know, we talked about Leisure World. We talk about Four Wheels and the Truth. And that conversation, when we talked about it for the first time, was pretty enlightening to me in doing this podcast again. And and seeing i think in that conversation that we had like your head is not what on the record that you made in uh 2020 necessarily even if you worked really really hard on it you're moving on to other things and right now you just had what to me sounds like as much fun as they could as one could have in a recording environment with a very creative collaborator. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did, well, you, did you have fun with up there? Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. I recorded a record with Mo Troper and Brendan Ramirez uh, of the of, of the Mo Troper band and mm-hmm. also of the band Bori up in Portland. And, yeah, I, I recorded a record in a, in. I was up there for a week and we recorded in the studio for a few days and we, it it was the most fun and I was laughing till I cried having so much fun. Oh my, that's, 
so, so special. And I, I mean, to do it all in three days, I mean, Mo uh, seems to have a workflow that um, is very, very conducive to that quick output. Tell me about just being in, in a room like that where you were, I guess, where was it like, there's a take, sounds pretty good, on to the next one. Yeah, we had to work really fast, and it was good to have somebody who really hears music so much differently than I. Like, mm. Mo and I, can we get along with our music tastes and whatnot, but... I think we, I do think we really hear things very different or, or maybe it's just the, the thing where the type of thing where it's like, because, you know, it's like if I'm recording a guitar part, I'm hearing my embellishments, whereas Mo is hearing more of the song, mm-hmm. you know, just like that type of thing where it's like when you hear your voice played back to you, maybe it's a little different than how it feels in your head or whatever. But like, but, it, but yeah, Mo, Mo was really able to, Mo was really able to say, "Yeah, we gotta, we gotta move on." Or, or uh, I mean, yeah, because Mo, I Mo produced the record in the sense that um, I really felt like I was going out on a limb because we wanted to have a a bigger rock sound. Mm-hmm. We were after that big rock sound. Everyone's always trying to find. You thought we were revved up before. I you will ain't say seen nothing yet. <laughs> I do think this is the revved up record. Uh huh. Oh, finally, I, finally, I have a revved up record mm-hmm. that the reflects that... The, the what it feels like to drink a hemp energy drink driving <laughs> through the misty mountain or the misty mountains, the smoky mountains. Now I can't remember which one is from Lord of the Rings, Misty Mountains or Smoky Mountains. The Smoky Mountains are definitely an American <laughs> thing. I know that because I've seen a Ken Burns documentary about America. <laughs> I've heard about the Smoky Mountains. Good, good. Um, and that feeling that you are, that energy that you're bringing into the studio is so different from leisure world and i think four wheels and the truth was definitely like let's move away from the kind of over over indulging Mm -hmm. um world of the leisure so yeah (laughs) i guess did it feel like you were taking another step with working with mo in this way or did it feel like you kind of like maybe you were taking a, a little hop, but you ended up hitting a trampoline. No, it felt like a big swing from the beginning. And, and honestly, I don't, and I don't even think I, like, I don't, I don't know if I I had mentioned this to you before, but I, or in the last interview, but I was kind of, um, I was interested in changing the name of the music I release under. Like I was changed. Oh, I was yeah. kind of, Tempted to say that diners was a has had been around for ten years, and uh, I'm gonna just release music under my name now, Blue Broderick. Yeah. But I think that I'm glad that I didn't. I'm glad that I'm moving forward with diners because I think it's actually in the. I think it's more fun to keep it going, actually. Yeah. But but it really was like I was trying to do something very different that I didn't know how to do. And so Mo's help 
and Brendan's help really, you know, just like the the collaboration that took place like really helped me grow. And it was it was a there were times where it was actually very uncomfortable. Even even though it was very fun, mm-hmm. it was all it was also uncomfortable. And and we, there were disagreements, but I really trusted the process yeah. and I could not be happier. I'm so happy to hear that. Like I experienced, you know, a, a feeling of doing this and being so burnt out. And then I went to software engineering school and I spent the year, the first year really thinking about just like better yet is that's a creative thing that I did. Now it's Tim Crisp, web developer. And Mm -hmm. that didn't, maybe I needed to do that for a year so that I could fully go come full circle and realize, well, you kind of made it harder on yourself. Like not (laughs) thinking about the thing that you've been doing when -hmm. you went to software engineering school, because you could have made an app for it. But also like the understanding and the feeling of, um, just accomplishment that that I see coming from you of like you did it and it you had to do it so differently that it was something else and then you got through it and you realized like I didn't need to have this identity I don't have to worry about any of that stuff that's so yeah. fucking awesome I'm so proud of you for that but I also think that the idea of doing something new kind of gave me a lot of the strength. And, mm-hmm. and, and even though it turned out to be like it wasn't, I guess it's not something new. I realized that I could treat every single album that I do as if it is its own project. Because I think I get really, I, I think I used to get really caught up in the continuation of, of, of things, whereas... Mm-hmm. I I think for yeah from here on out it's like oh I just really want to treat each album as if it is starting a new band. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this is overly simplistic, like help me out. But when you name a record three, mm-hmm. yeah. you have to answer to the first two, <laughs> totally. right? I mean, I don't know. Did you? <laughs> I guess I've had revelations like that where I've looked at my my own life and been like, oh, you're that was so silly of you. Um, I don't know. Are you relating to that? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at the way that, like, for everyone at home, if you pull out all your diners records, let's take a look at them. Uh, <laughs> they start out, they kind of like, the first album's kind of like a more straightforward uh, album that I made when I was like 19 and then mm. the next album got a little bit more it's like more of like it's still a band it's still like a rock band playing but you, there's like more hints of production Three, there's also there's, I get if I could just while we're while we're at the this point your uh-huh. the the beginnings of your uh, great songwriting career in my opinion start on that record Citrus is to me the first great 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 diner song it is color me impressed by the replacements wow diners that's mean that 
I I I I listened to that recently and I was really to to Citrus. It had been a long time. I don't I I don't really like make a habit of listening to to my old like old old stuff a lot not because I'm like mad at it or whatever it's just mm-hmm. it's not on my mind but I listened to that recently and it's like how do they just they're just things where it's like how do we get how on earth do we get that drum sound things like that where I'm just like that's wild how do we I have no I have no idea how to do that the way it all comes into that do 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 is just orchestral it's really Aww. really and so my 20 year old brain working its ass off at that. <laughs> so then all right so let's go let's go ahead to your your 20 25 year old brain and, and you're working on leisure world like so hard and you've got you've got your most of your people there but you're also you're bringing it to to jalapaz and mm-hmm. i think you're the way that you described that it was like sort of you have this kind of messy thing and mm. Jalapaz can't even make sense of it and you know yeah well the so the like the production on on Leisure World is really all over the place because it was all recorded at very different times and I would record something I would record a song re-record it uh maybe a few times and then I would either like, I don't know. It's like I, I would either get bored with it and like keep chopping it up or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. it really, there's, I really, with that record, like the, because I recorded it for too long, like I recorded it over, over a few years. I think that the, the vision just kept changing so much and it really became like a problem and until the record, until there was like a balance in my heart about it, like it wasn't yeah. done. And yeah. so, cause, because at that point, it's just like everything was just kind of like all over the place. And, and I was just writing so many songs during that period that I would, I was like almost, I just kept chasing the, the, I, w- I was just always on to the next thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, and I, I feel like the, um, I the people that I was playing with at the time were there's some usual like there's some like familiar people but it's also like a lot of new people that mm. uh I I hadn't really worked with before and so it was really in, in a lot of ways like the type of community that I was around and in on the first few records were not really there on Leisure World like it really did feel like a new a new um it felt i mean it honestly felt like making a solo record even though diners mm. never really had like a lineup like a consistent yeah, lineup yeah it did kind of feel like i was making a solo record for the first time mm. yeah that's interesting that is interesting um and that was your that was in you were in phoenix right i don't know why. yeah i was living I just, in phoenix yeah yeah i i feel like i never have to like write down where anybody is from but when it comes to the southwest it just becomes a block and i'm sorry i know that that's that's my that's my classic midwest bias um (laughs) well we have we have our own feelings on the midwest too we have (laughs) we have no understanding of it either oh yeah 
you know, I was born in New Jersey, right? Like I still am, I think pretty rude in the grand <laughs> scheme of, um, you know, the Illinois and Indiana, like atmosphere. I, I'm so I'm, I'm revved up. Even That's I'm good. revved up. You're revved up for the Midwest. Um, as far as the Midwest goes, you're. Yeah. You're as far up. as the Midwest. Yeah. If the Midwest saw the two of us hanging out together, they would probably <laughs> fold under. <laughs> um, we did have a really, really great point of connection um, when we were talking about Leisure World that I do want to just revisit for the recording that is mm-hmm. still looking great on our beautiful Zencaster audio interface. Oh, it's interface. looking really good, folks. If only um, you could see the what was it? It there's a time into spinning the yarn. I've I felt like you know when you talk about the kind of vision of Leisure World always shifting a little bit. I I see that that chunk of that record as just such a beautiful moment of clarity, and I consulted with uh, my friend Chat GBT. And I asked, do they know what song we're uh, or what band we're lifting from for spinning the yarn? And they said, the Smiths. And I said, close, close. Orange Juice. Yeah. Fucking coolest band ever. I listened to so much Orange Juice after that conversation, which I remind you, I was alone that day. So it was at least a little bit of fun in the living room. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that band is so great. Yeah, the I I really yeah I mean I love that song, uh, rip it up. And there's so many songs where I'll listen to, uh, where I'm like, oh, this is just they're doing rip it up also. Like they're mm-hmm. like this band that I know is also trying to do rip it up. And and actually, yeah, I'm thinking of um, my friend Zach Burba, who does a band called Ehi, is like we were Not a fat we were, funky band. No, no, I don't think so. Okay, all right. Well, edit um, maybe not. Or I mean, <laughs> I just make to. sure that I've never Zach been and Bob wrong are about anything. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, no. Zach, Zach and Bob are friends. They, I mean, could they've both been playing in the diners band here. But anyways, mm, anyways, yeah. uh, Zach from the band Ehi was uh, saw saw us play spin in the yarn, and we were in the car for a, for like a while afterwards, and. Um, he was saying he's like oh yeah that's he like was able to identify it right away he's like oh that's rip rip it up mm-hmm. and it's like yeah it's pretty shameless and he's like no no yeah we all do that yeah it's like it's true Absolutely. we all do that but that song it's it's funny like the the instinct to be like oh no like i can't i can't rip off rip it up by orange juice because zach or somebody might know and it's like Anybody who knows that, anybody who gets that recognition is it's so it's the most validating feeling ever to recognize like yeah. the source. I think it's good to I think it's good to just go for it. Yeah. As long as long as you're really not passing it off as your own. I mean the, but I guess there I guess there are varying degrees of of in which it might be acceptable or unacceptable. Yeah. But yeah. I I think I think that if if I think it's so important that if you are really interested in a song and are like really like a, impressed by the arrangement of that song, 
you should all you should learn that song and then try to make your own version of that song because it really will teach you so much that is great advice and it's something that i do myself sometimes as a person with microphones and an interface and the ability to play music i can be shy about it sometimes and but um yeah it is so fun to just record a cover and to think about how I'm going to layer it. I can play the chords and then what, what abilities do I have at my disposal? And Mm -hmm. boy, also have to say it's been discussed on this podcast before. You can learn so much about problem solving by just putting a microphone in front of something and hitting record and seeing what happens and then trying to do it better. Mm -hmm. Truly, truly, like it builds such a great just foundation of understanding about how to just solve problems and to keep doing things. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, So Four Wheels and the Truth was definitely a much you could feel just from the takes and you can look at the list of credits and it's like we're clearly like Let's get back with our familiars. Let's do mm-hmm. something that I think is how is four wheels on the truth aging for you now in comparison? Do you think about it or do you feel like you got, you know, you got good memories of it? I have great memories of recording it. I have, I think, uh, I mean, the ways that I might get, the ways that I might think about my record, my records are like, it's usually just comes down to it's like, very small things that it's like, oh, I wish I would have redone that. Or it's like, it's like, oh, I didn't didn't notice how bright that sound is or how bassy this thing is. And mm-hmm. So there, there are there are some there. I have some. I I kind of wish I could go back and like question myself, that being like, like what, why this? Like, what mood were you in? that that Uh day that you made that decision but like honestly like i don't really um i don't have i'm glad i did it and i i really like the songs and i think the i think that the types of songs that are on that record are the types of songs that i wanted to be able to i wanted to be able to play all of those songs on the guitar completely solo and still have them be good songs and the types of so yeah like the types of songs on there it's like they're all they were all songs that i was just playing like acoustic throughout the pandemic and writing and not playing with the band and it really wasn't until i was going to go into the studio that i even assembled like another like uh, like any sort of band to rehearse with and so i'd say that if i'd say that the that kind of it really is the sound of a, of the record it's like somebody who had been playing acoustic for for and like not through mm-hmm. an amplifier for a few years yeah. or for two years or maybe even just a year i don't remember anymore but like but somebody who hadn't been playing through an amplifier for a while trying a band again yeah is that how you kind of described it to people when you started collaborating again like when you were saying to you know chase camp who played drums on it when you have mike huganor come like were you was that 
Do you need you don't need to explain no. this shit to people who actually have like a musical vocabulary. Right. No, I, I really let them uh I really let them uh I got I kinda didn't really give any sort of context. I guess well, I guess better. to to Chase to Chase I gave uh I mean Chase is probably the the person that I had the most practice with. And so we were working on we there were like a few decisions that we made that were really um like that it's like oh like now that there are drums here we should like let me rearrange this song and whatnot but mm-hmm. um chase got it really right away there wasn't much i didn't have to explain much to chase because chase is such a pro but yeah it is funny like in my mind when i was making it i was like this is such a loud rock record and i listened <laughs> to it now and it's like this is not a loud rock record but it's cute that it tried to be a live record <laughs> rock record because yeah i was like i was listening to i was you know what band i and i kind of forgot to say this on the last interview mm. the ba- a band that i was really getting getting into in the process of recording and uh what uh and leading up to was apples and stereo i was listening to oh, a ton yeah. of apples and stereo and i was like just yeah uh like Dude, shine a light. Rocks. Oh my god, that band is so good. Yeah. How did you get into that band? Because I feel I, like they are just a floating object that people either get. They're an Elephant Six band. I wanted to confirm yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The way that I got into them was I had I had a friend, uh, or still have a friend. <laughs> I in twenty in twenty ten I like graduate high school and I. And making friends outside of my high school, you know, I'm like going to mm-hmm. more shows and I'm uh, able to like, <laughs> like just hang out with a more like musical crowd every day. And I, I, I'm hanging out with my friend, Matt Kimball, who re- still releases a lot of music at the time he was doing a band called the balloons. Mm-hmm. And Matt was a big apples and stereo fan and also an electric light orchestra fan and i was deeply into electric light orchestra and and like yeah we i mean we would talk about uh like we yeah i think i kind of got into apples and stereo through their more like through their uh kind of later more dancey stuff and then kind of went back and back and back and back and then like I, I really, I mean, yeah, I think that now my favorite uh, uh, Apples and Stereo album is Tone Soul Evolution. Tone Soul Evolution. So good. So good. Um, that band. Yeah. I, do you remember the show Radio Free Roscoe? It was on the no. N around the time that I was, see, I graduated high school a few years before you did, and Degrassi, the next generation, was like two or three seasons in, and I discovered mm-hmm. it on the end. And there was this other Canadian show called Radio Free Roscoe. That if anybody has that recognition, they're listening, and they're saying, Oh my God, I don't know what it is about my brain, but mm-hmm. anytime I like hear something for the first time, I can place it so well. And oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it's it's a real real talent i just changed my name on a letterboxd to uh t-i-m-d-b 
because I have a very good recall for IMDb trivia and I want the world <laughs> to recognize. That's good. I like that. Um, yeah. Th- speaking of um, recording, I read the um, Neutral Milk Hotels 33 and a third, and they talk so much about recording that record. And it is so instructive again for people at home who have a microphone it is so instructive on how to create natural distortion using an acoustic mm-hmm. guitar and with that you can pretty much do everything and mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong blue yeah i mean i i i have not read it but i should i mean the, yeah that's i mean the, the idea and, yeah yeah i mean and yeah and then, yeah, Rob Schneider of the of Apples and Stereo, such a crucial part of making that mm-hmm. record sound the way that it is. And it's like, you know, it's so, so iconic. And yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny to think about all those bands and how much collaboration there was. But like, yeah, I think that uh, I think that Apples and Stereo and Rob Schneider. It's so funny. His name is Rob Schneider. I know. <laughs> Uh, but that was another thing it's like i remembered his name being rob schneider and i was like well i don't want to talk about like my perfect recall and then get that wrong yeah but yeah i i i I, yeah i love yeah there i mean yeah he's such a he's such a wizard and so it's like you know and and i i should read that book because i'd be curious to know how much of the record is the band and how much of it was rob yeah, I mean, there's not like the, there's not an amplified guitar on, or there's not like a distorted guitar on the record. It's just all acoustics plugged into, um, geez, what do you call it? Like a booster, a preamp. Put mm-hmm. it into his favorite preamp and just dial it up. Got a little bit of distortion on it, and that's there's no electric guitars on that record. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like overdriven acoustic. It's awesome. Were you a folk yeah. punk kid? I feel yeah. like that. Yeah, you were definitely a folk punk kid. As a Me folk too. Punk kid. Yeah, I mean, there is, you know, there is a, there was a lot of, there is a lot of folk punk happening in, in Phoenix. Yeah, in the in the two thousands. Oh my and, god, AJJ. Uh, yes, of yeah. course, of course. Yeah. So that and yeah, they were such a, you know, they were they were a big deal around around town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those. It's it's interesting i think the way that that time i don't know maybe gets derided a little bit or like remembered Mm. as if it's like uh something to be embarrassed about from your high school days but that that music was from the earth that was folk music that people just started doing again and that's that's a beautiful thing totally you know yeah it's like it's, it's one of those things where i mean this isn't me saying this this is like uh i don't know i don't know who said this but like it is kind of in a lot of ways it is like yeah it's like the most punk music because it doesn't even require electricity in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways like yeah you know unless you're unless you're miking stuff up and like recording it and stuff like i mean yeah there's so many so many of the folk punk performances that i saw were just you know it's like there weren't any microphones it's just people playing acoustic guitars and upright and upright basses or wash tubs or like or what, the tub dumpster dive and 
Um, yeah. yeah. Watch what a time. Updates, watch I still got, I still I still have a couple items from uh dumpster diving in Bloomington, Indiana. That's oh. as to me that's as folk punk as you can. <laughs> <laughs> dumpster diving just me, in, in The members of Good Luck, we're just all dumpster diving together. Toby Foster just played a show in someone's dorm room. <laughs> I'm only speaking from literal experience. Of oh no! Yeah, Toby Foster in my friend Paul's dorm room. That's oh, great. Oh my god! I got that. It was, it was an explosive time. It really was an explosive time. MySpace and everything was, I think, a lot more equal opportunity. You know, Radio Free Roscoe. That's that's what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Well, dude, it's. It's really nice to see you again and have a, another reason to reconnect and also just feel better about things. It's you're doing good. Are you liking Pasadena? You feeling like you're in a because you moved around a, a lot in between Phoenix. Is Pasadena mm-hmm. feeling like it's got some permanence for you? Oh, definitely. I really well. Well, maybe not Pasadena itself. You know, it's like I I think that I think there's maybe a desire to to move somewhere somewhere close by, but like to stay in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like it's, there there are some not ideal things about the current spot that that I'm in, mm-hmm. but I think that the it feels really good to be here, and I really am. You know, it's like I'm starting to have a little bit more of a social life here. Like I'm kind of over the, like the the beginning stages of a move where it feels like mm-hmm. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find my routines. I just got a I just got a job. I have yet to start it, but That's I like great. got the job offer and it's looking good. And so I'm excited to I'm excited to have a I'm excited to like not have to um you know, it's like be so cheap all the time in some ways i'm glad i'm like i'm excited to like pay my rent and then not have like a scramble yeah yeah, yeah you're uh you're speaking to a uh, current king of unemployment um it's been i mean i i can relate to so much of what you're saying and i've i had a similar um i guess i went on a trip I went to San Antonio with some of my best friends. We went to see WWE Royal Rumble at the Alamo Dome. Wow. Can't wait to show you Rhea Ripley, who won the uh, women's Royal Rumble, because she's 25 and she's my hero. And you will love her. She's so cool. Um, It rocks. And I also had a, God, this was such a great trip feel like it brought me out of my shell because even though we've been in Valparaiso for a couple of years don't really have much of a social life and that's mm. partially because of you know my own mental health um and the programming thing that I just did mm-hmm. but that trip was nice to come back and say like wow I could still take a trip also I'd like to have money for the next one because mm-hmm. didn't exactly have money for this one, but it's okay. Sometimes you just got to do it. 
And then I saw Jeff Rosenstock and Laura Stevenson and Mikey Erg play at Lincoln Hall in Chicago. And I have watched the video that I took of them playing Keep on Rockin' in the Free World pretty much every morning for the past two weeks. And oh, that's, that's been great. making me feel alive again. That's good. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's like there are so many things where I, I, I think it's, I think that you kind of, you know, it's like every financial situations are, it's, it's awful. It's everything. There's a Damn. lot. I, I'm like, wait, I'm going to get sidetracked so fast as soon as I talk <laughs> about finances. But like, but I do think there are things where it's like, I do think it is so like, even if you are broke, like sometimes you do have to go on the trip because it actually might recharge your soul. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Or, or like. I don't know. I remember I was like, right before I moved, I was like trying to save money and was so like not able to save money. And then I like bleached my hair and I was like, actually, it's exactly what I needed. <laughs> like, and like, so even though that wasn't like cheap and that wasn't like a wise financial choice, like it recharged my spirit so much. Yeah. yeah. That I, I'm like, I really did need this. Oh, that's so good to hear. Uh, it's, so great to see you um, once again. Thank you for coming back and, and doing uh, another another. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Thanks, Bubba. All right, Bubba's check out Diners Online, diners.bandcamp.com. If you made it this far, please subscribe to the YouTube page. Please like shit. Please share it. Please fucking just go all out I would love to come back and see a thousand views on that Steve Albini video would love it. would love nothing more thanks for listening